0: Might have been the Buttercream Gang. I don't know.
1: (laughs) You're just a weirdo in a dress that you stole.
0: (laughs) Awkward, drunk, or racist. One of the three.
1: I, I like you a lot, but I wish you didn't talk like that.
0: Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast whose stool is hard. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm
1: Tom Schneider. We
0: are properly married.
1: There's not room for two under there.
0: No, there's certainly not. No. Most of my skirts are (laughs) A-line. So, Sir John, you can just keep on walking.
1: Yes, as is always the case. Yes. Yeah. Uh, So, for country report, we do have a new country to report this week, and it is (gasps) Finland.
0: Finland! Atlanta! Yes, the most populous country where we have yet to have a download. And now we have six. Welcome to our Finnish cousins. Yes. We are thrilled to have you. That's right. And now it's time for telegrams from our cousins.
1: That's right. Our first telegram comes from cousin Mary Michelle, who writes, Dear Kelly and Tom, I just finished listening to A Nanny of a Pickle, and I wanted to thank you for yet another recap of Manor House. I'd watched the show about a year ago and enjoyed it very much, and I'm surprised at how many scenes I remembered all this time with the help of your wonderful commentary. Your love of Monsieur Dubiard prompted me to write in and ask if you knew of the series The Duchess of Duke Street. It's available through Netflix on disc, though not on streaming. It's very loosely based on the life of Rosa Lewis, who is the manager of the Cavendish Hotel in London starting in 1902. She started out as a maid, then became a cook, and worked her way up the ladder to hotel manager. Louisa, the show's protagonist, is a great character, and the costumes and sets are amazingly detailed. I think you would enjoy it, as it explores class dynamics in greater detail than the Foresight Saga. If you are interested more on Lewis's life, I would recommend Masters Rosa Lewis, an Exceptional Edwardian, and Fielding's The Duchess of German Street. Please let me know if you ever need help with research or locating material for your history sections of your podcast. As you can see from my signature, I work in a library and love research. My own to read shelves are now full with Edwardian materials until a new topic sparks my interest. Thank you again, and keep up the good work.
0: All right, very cool. We actually have had uh, the Duchess of Duke Street recommended to us by several cousins. Yes. Uh, So we'll definitely have to check that out when we have the time, because it sounds fascinating to me. It's Uh, got all the things that I want. Lady (laughs) Entrepreneur class conflict, hotels. Food. Yeah. Oh man, food. <laughs> Don't even get me started. Yeah, and it may interest all of you to know we're in the next couple of weeks going to set up a uh, an amazon.com store where we can direct you to some of the shows and books and things like that that we cover on the show. And if you purchase through that amazon store we will get a little fraction of the proceeds yeah. which would be great because you know this podcast uh, doesn't make any money, that's, so, that's right, so anything you can do to help us pay our uh, our hosting fees would be much appreciated. <laughs> sure. Yeah, uh, there's also some talk of providing up yours downstairs T-shirts for purchase, uh, possibly with the logo, possibly reproductions of Tom's Team Mary shirt that he received for his birthday. So, and which is a great shirt? It's a great shirt. He gets a lot of compliments on it. That is right. Uh, so yeah, so stay tuned. We'll keep you up to date on that. Our next letter comes from cousin Dante. He says, with all the fanfare surrounding the Olympics, I did some research and realized that in the time period of Downton Abbey, there had been only one actual Olympic Games, the Games of Antwerp, Belgium. They weren't mentioned by the inhabitants of Downton Abbey, Series 2 left off at the turn of 1920, and the next Games are Paris of 1924, likely to happen during Series 3. I was wondering if you think the Olympics would have been such a big deal as it is today, since Paris is very close to Britain. Living in a city that once hosted the Olympics, Atlanta 1996... It's a huge deal. Screens in the former Olympic Park and whatnot to remind complacent or new citizens that this shabby excuse for a great city of the South hosted the Centennial <laughs> Olympics. This was a jumbled mess, but you don't have to read it. You can just reply. Uh, I didn't find it that jumbled, honestly. But thank you, Cousin Dante, for tying this in with the Olympics. For that, you receive Cousin of the Week designation. Congratulations. So congratulations. Yeah, and I i don't know. I can't imagine. My My reaction is twofold. Uh, and we haven't had the time to do the research into this, so we'll try and, and fold this into the upcoming Repeats History Fashion Backwards specials, which are yeah. coming, we swear. Uh, yeah. We're- we promise they're coming. <laughs> First of all, there was less entertainment to go around, period. True. But also, you know, we didn't have the ability to travel as fast and as far Nor were there these huge corporations, you know, sponsoring the Olympics and and able to sort of market it in the same way. Right. So it's very hard to say what the actual relationship of people to the Olympics would have been just on my pure speculation.
1: (laughs) Right. Um, and again, I don't really know. My understanding is that really the Olympics sort of turned the corner in terms of being the major global event that they are with the Berlin, Berlin Olympics in thirty six, mm-hmm. that those were sort of the... That was where... I mean, partly because media had advanced at that point uh-huh. enough that where people could sort of be...
0: Up on what was happening. Yeah.
1: And, of course, it had the, the you know, geopolitical ramifications that yes. it did. Yes, yes. Which have always been key to the Olympics, mm-hmm. you know, success. Um,
0: well, those are the Olympics that Hitler stormed out of, yes?
1: Yeah. Or, yeah, they were his... They're, they're the, you know, the Lenny Riefenstahl... Olympiad Olympics. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But yes, that's my understanding. And I also uh, would point out that uh, I was at the 1996 Olympics. You were indeed. In Atlanta. I
0: would also say, Cousin Dante, I've been to Atlanta several times, and... You know, I understand living in a place you see the the shabby infrastructure <laughs> a bit more. But I have always enjoyed my time in Atlanta.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, it, you may think it's a shabby excuse for a great city of the South, but you know, go to you know Tampa. Go to Memphis. Memphis actually, or... no offense
0: to any of our Tennessean listeners, but right. I yeah. Yeah. So Atlanta's doing okay. Yeah. We recommend it. This message sponsored by the Atlanta uh, (laughs) Department of Tourism and Travel.
1: So uh, uh, please, Atlanta Department of Tourism and Travel, do give us a call if in fact you exist. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
0: come on. Surely it
1: does. (laughs) Who do you think planned the
0: Olympics? All right. Well, that does it for uh, Telegrams this week. It was a bit of a, a light week. We did mm-hmm. have a carrier pigeon from one of our listeners in Costa Rica. I had a great conversation with her on Twitter about Game of Thrones and the bangable dudes therein. Oh, uh, yes. Prompted by my recent guest appearance on Boris Gordon Swords, the podcast that spawned this podcast. Mm-hmm. So that was great. So thank you so much for uh, for chatting with me. It was really fun. Yeah. And next time, you can look forward to special returning guest Natasha Muse will be back with us for the Manor House finale. So everybody, mark your calendars. I I will. Okay. I hope you will. You have to be (laughs) here when we record.
1: I I do.
0: So this brings us to Manor House episode five, Days of Empire, or as we like to call it, (laughs) Days of Unfettered Racism. Yeah.
1: And awkwardness. Oh, my this gosh. Is the awkwardest episode. We were,
0: like, clutching each other on the couch. <laughs> it was so... I have not been this palpably discomfited by something on TV since I accidentally watched all that Walking Dead. Like,
1: <laughs> it was just... It was really... Yeah. Lots of cringing. I may still be cringing.
0: Yeah. He does look kind of clenched in the jaw area. <laughs> it is... I don't know. Uh, in, in general... I feel that as a society, as a global society, we've kind of come a long way since 2001 when this was filmed. Yeah. But man. Yeah. Wow. There's, you know, there's a lot to unpack. This is probably the densest episode of Manor House to date because yeah. Yeah. everybody's been there long enough that they're kind of entrenched in their roles and they're able to think critically right. as opposed to being, you know, being obsessed with the etiquette. You know, they've they've... Settled into some sort of routine.
1: Right, right. Um, I did. This is just a random thing that I could have noticed at any time, but in the opening credits, it shows Kenny, the hall boy, sitting over a chamber pot and reading a book, which is just a little like, uh, you know, this is the gritty realism of, <laughs> of Edwardian life. But it did actually make me wonder would a hall boy have been literate at that time period, like commonly? I, mm. I don't know how, to what extent literacy in the lower classes, you know, would have existed yeah. at that time. Well,
0: that seems like a uh, a topic for Tom repeats history. That that it does. It seems like one. <laughs> and and they let us know at the beginning of the episode. Derek Jacoby tells us it's 19 weeks into the experiment. Yeah. So it's it's been a while. They've been here for quite quite a long time. Yeah. Yeah, and the last episode was only seven weeks into the project, so yeah. we've skipped 12 weeks here. Wow, yeah. And I think you can kind of feel it. Yeah, I mean, it does. You really can feel how different the atmosphere is.
1: Well, yeah, and, and I mean, it is, you know, like nobody's worried about the Scholar Maid. The Scholar Maid's there, and True. she's going to keep being there. And yeah,
0: downstairs, they seem to have put their knives away. Yeah. In general, yeah. as far as each other is concerned. Yeah. So they've all banned it, you know, they figured out some way of managing and making everything work Mm -hmm. Well, we start out seeing morrison the ladies maid strapping lady oc into her hobble skirt yes uh i'm very excited about this because they don't really wear hobble skirts on downton abbey but it was a fad that basically came out of in 1908 1909 Skirts begin to sort of narrow down toward the ankles. This is, this is a little bonus fashion backwards. I'm Because I've been dying to talk about hobble skirts. <laughs> but it was this huge fad. You know, it was, you know, the bell bottoms of Edwardian England. Uh-huh. And it, it was sort of popular because we see at this time period the oriental craze sort of happening. Mm. So the idea was to create a Western outfit that would force women to recreate the mincing geisha-like steps of geishas, I, uh, I see. From a gender equality standpoint, this is a huge albatross
1: <laughs> on the rights of women. Like you can't no, I know you well, can't even walk, well, just much have, less ride a bicycle. I just love it how like people came back from Japan. They're like, you know what? I I I, I don't want to alarm anybody, but the Japanese are better at keeping their women down. Yeah, than we are.
0: Oh man, and they're like, what? 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 Now are they were denounced widely as being mm. very unsafe. Uh, employers would frequently have restrictions against their female employees wearing hobble skirts because you know they would get injured. I don't and, think they had workers' comp at the time, but right. Nonetheless, you, you you know, you don't really want that going on in your office. Now, elderly women thought it was great because they thought it would bring back sort of the old ways and mm. and the sort of female deference
1: mm-hmm. and
0: uh, pot, uh, their posture. And that the entire appearance of women will be thus benefited.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess I, I can also sort of see it too. It, it it means that you know people can't walk faster than you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you, you know, like I can see that.
0: Uh, by 1912, they had made some adjustments to the hobble skirt because it was so impractical. (laughs) They would have, you know, pleats, uh, sometimes even Turkish trousers under the overskirt, and you could move a little bit easier. Now, the newspapers of the day would be reporting on the various accidents involving hobble skirts. So I can imagine, you know, they had like hobble skirt corner. (laughs) Uh, you know, who, who took a spill today?
1: Sort of like Shark Week.
0: Yeah, exactly. and also uh because there was a backlash against the hobble skirts a lot of the parisian couturiers who were responsible for the fad began referring to the style as american trying to pawn it off as something the americans had invented uh yeah well well played well played (laughs) just wait till world war ii frenchies uh i'm sorry i don't generally subscribe to that mode of thinking i think the french are fine yeah now, in America, they did figure out ways to adjust their tramways so that women could have easier access to the trams in a hobble skirt. So uh, score one for American ingenuity. Uh, yeah. Yeah anyway uh, the the hobble skirt kind of faded by 1915 uh, and I'm getting all this of course from Evangeline Holland our tireless Edwardian resource yeah and basically what's funny we talked I think a little bit about the war crinolines which were yeah. were shorter but in fact used more fabric right during a time when everybody was hoarding fabric and trying to ration yeah but the hobble skirt actually would have saved more material mm. uh, to be used you know by the war effort yeah uh, so so, once again, World War One—a barrel of laughs and misconceptions from top to bottom.
1: <laughs> yeah. Boy, I'm not sure the barrel of laughs is really the best way to describe World War One. Uh,
0: a, a gun barrel of laughs.
1: laughs. I worked for Black Hatter.
0: Uh, it sure <laughs> did it. <laughs> I haven't seen all of Go- Black Hatter Goes Forth, and it's the only one that's never like no. struck me as being important to watch.
1: Well, it's... Anyway...
0: Uh, but I love Baldrick, so like, what are you gonna
1: do? <laughs> yeah.
0: So it is Lady Olive Cooper's wedding anniversary, as
1: is oddly pointed out. Like, did, do you have
0: another husband somewhere? Because if so, you should probably be with that guy.
1: Maybe what it is, maybe they had like a proxy marriage and it didn't actually happen on the same day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> His is like a month later. <laughs> right. He couldn't be bothered. <laughs> so uh, we see Charlie uh, is is tinting her champagne pink yes uh which is cute
1: yeah uh, yes. i'm
0: more of a fan of a sparkling rosé myself <laughs> but uh so so sir john comes up to her room after morrison is strapped her into her her hobble skirt right. so that they can you know have a moment and so he gives her a typically edwardian gift of pearls and diamonds done up in the style of the day yes
1: And a typically Lord O.C. way of presenting it to her, in which he says something along the lines of, well, if you don't like me after this present. He
0: says, if if you don't say I'm the ideal husband. And I'm like, well, I think Oscar Wilde would have a thing or two to say about that, sir. (laughs) Just, uh, he's super appalling this episode. I feel like every episode we say this, we're like, oh, he's even worse than he, he just keeps getting worse. It's,
1: it's, it's all true, people.
0: And one thing I always wonder in these situations, were those pearls and diamonds that he purchased for her himself? Or were they furnished by the project?
1: Right. It's, it's so unclear. I mean, because again, we're, we understand that he is well off to at least some extent.
0: Again, not clear, doing what? Right. But he he has done something to achieve some some status.
1: Maybe he's an organized criminal. Right? That's why they never say,
0: "God, it must be the most boring mafia ever." <laughs> he's like, "Oh, leave the leave the guns, take the clotted cream. <laughs> the old man likes his clotted cream." Miss Morrison.
1: Yeah. Gets
0: quite the talking head.
1: Yeah. Well, it would seem That their time in this manor house has sparked some passion.
0: Some passion. As former guest Ivan Hernandez of (laughs) Boris Gore and Swords characterizes it, passion in a certain context, particularly regarding an older man, means down to fuck. (laughs)
1: Uh, Because we see... Well, and also he is apparently Miss... uh, Morrison. Miss Morrison says that Lady O.C. thinks that he is perhaps a little too passionate. Uh.
0: Uh. So. So, yeah. I'm not comfortable discussing this on a lighthearted podcast. <laughs> uh, but you can hear it on my other podcast, The Feminine Mistake. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh yeah, but she just comes up as like creepy voyeur. Yeah. And 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 just like, Oh, like it's been really fun to see this guy like coerce his wife into having more sex in these really uncomfortable undergarments. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, And granted, and I mean, you have to figure they are both professionals, so they probably have way more time yeah. to like hang out and do it yeah. with each other than they would. And I'm sorry for saying that, everyone. I'm so sorry. Yeah,
1: well, and I mean, you know, just living in a place that other people keep clean for you. I mean, yeah. It's like being at a hotel, you That's know? That's true, yeah. yeah. But, uh, well, I mean, I think Miss Morrison, you know, is one of those things where she only sees the world through Lady O.C.'s perspective. That's true, you know, that's the only person she ever talked to. I mean, at to. least
0: O'Brien was proactive. <laughs> you know, she had her agenda. Miss <laughs> yeah. Morrison, I mean, Miss Morrison is just literally playing dress up this whole time. And yeah. she loves it. Yeah.
1: This is what she wanted to do and she's doing it. She's happy.
0: I, I would argue she's the happiest with the experiment. Yeah. Because she's not getting called out for being privileged per se. Right. You know, she had a bit of a kerfuffle with the other stu- you know, the other servants early on, but right. in but- general, she seems to have just gone off with her, you know, feathers and fur and yeah. is having a grand old time
1: yeah yeah they seem to they seem to be getting on
0: so we see um we spend most of the episode with mr reggie raj singh yes who
1: is master guy's
0: tutor yeah. we haven't really seen him very much like up to this point yeah
1: he was in the first episode he's been like conspicuously absent an yeah. well and
0: guy hasn't been in it
1: yeah that's over true. much recently
0: true. but we we see him trying to make guy learn and yeah. he physically has to move him away from the window and yeah. just again guy now looks like a 70 year old man he's just like <laughs> get me out of this
1: house <laughs> yeah well and derek jacoby tells us that at the time uh most asians in england around then were you know royalty or or close you know in of of noble you know, position back in India or wherever. Right, which
0: is like, wow, son of a Maharaja to tutor. Right. Seems like a big
1: demotion to it's like, me. Yeah. It's like, Oh, Oh, father's the, the Maharaja, eh? Fascinating. I've made millions selling boots. Would you like to teach my son and keep <laughs> him out of my hair?
0: <sighs> and apparently, uh, people did want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So when I wonder, and again, this is a great fashion backwards repeats history thing. And it it gets touched on a little bit, but sort of mm-hmm. what's what's the social reaction to that within India? Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to depend on whether you are sort of allying yourself with the British and you think it's fine, or whether you are an anti-colonialist who's right. you know attempting to revolt. Yeah. But even for the people who were were propping up the British rule, as mm-hmm. one of the guests at a dinner party says later, so you know, was it was it that you would go? You know, did it improve your chances for an advantageous marriage to have spent time in Britain? You know, how, right. how cosmopolitan were you then, you know, if you – then your charges grew up and then you went back to India? I mean, how does that all affect
1: – Right, right. I mean,
0: I guess if you were interested in maintaining a position within the British hierarchy, then obviously spending time in Britain yeah. would would do you all sorts of favors. Yeah, yeah. So that's an interesting thing to think about. It is. Think about it, cousins. <laughs> Think about it and ponder. <laughs> then we get the best scene of the whole episode. Yes. Uh, we get Mr. Reggie Raj Singh, who we now realize is super gay and I mean, pretty adorable about yeah. it. And he talks all about how he can now identify with Jane Eyre.
1: Which, <laughs> like...
0: <gasps> I don't recall being a gay Indian tutor in the Manor House Experiment, but that is so what I would have said.
1: Oh, I know. Well, just, I don't know. I To me, it's like, is that... Was that a goal of yours? I've never aspired to identify yeah, why with she's Jane. She's not, Eyre.
0: look, I, like, for a period in like sixth grade, I thought she was cool. <laughs> and then I went back and read that book and I was like, you are the boringest person <laughs> of all time. Yeah. But he's very sad. Yeah. He's a very sad panda.
1: He's, yeah. And he's he's just completely, talks about how completely isolated he is mm-hmm. within the heis- household. And and I should clarify, my memories of him from previously having seen the series were very negative. Like, was i was very... Uh,
0: I had no memory of this episode. Yeah. Uh, which means either I blocked it out because it was awkward or because I'm racist. I don't know which. Possibly...
1: There's a real possibility that we may have watched it while drunk.
0: Mm. So that should be so, kept in mind. awkward, drunk, or racist—one of the three. Welcome to Ohio. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's just—he's so very alone. I mean, yeah. This is like a broken record. This is all he says throughout the entire episode. But I mean, he—he's not really a member of the family. It's right. been made expressly clear to him mm-hmm. that he is not to go downstairs and mingle with the servants yeah. because Sir John doesn't want his son to know his tutor's a servant. Right. Which is like,
1: First of don't all, you pay him? Like, Right. First of all, Guy made it clear back in episode uh-huh. one that he was well aware of exactly you know, what the deal was. It's so insane. And, and so it is, you know, so he has been forced to keep himself separate from the lower servants, but he's not allowed into being with, you know, the family.
0: And he can't be with Miss Morrison because she spends 18 hours a day dressing Lady O.C. Right. So he's, he's basically got no one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, except uh, whatever you think about Guy, I wouldn't want Guy to be my only friend in the world. No, for once at a time. no. Well,
0: and he says, you know, you can't have an emotional connection with a child. Right. You just can't. Right. If you can, you're probably on a list somewhere.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: So then there's some drama. There's some big drama with Mr. Edgar because. It's the same day as Lord and Lady OC's wedding anniversary. Right. Or at least Lady ladies. Uh, but it's also Rob's birthday. Yeah. And the servants have planned this great surprise party for him. Right. Uh, <laughs> and the diversion, the diversion to keep him from the party is that he's out with Tristan, again, who we've never seen. Yeah. Tristan just doesn't seem to be interesting at all. Oh, right. He's less interesting than Jaunty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they have to, the, to pull the, the carriage into the river.
1: Right. So that the wheels won't shrink. Right. And they that made up. That sounds
0: up. like a made up thing. Yeah.
1: Tristan got drunk, crashed the coach, and they had to pull it out of the river. <laughs> like, that's, I'm, that's my story.
0: Um. So Mr. Edgar has arranged for Mr. Raj Singh to babysit Master Guy whilst Lord and Lady O.C. have their anniversary supper and yeah. dubious consensual <laughs> relations. Yeah. Uh, and while he goes down to party with the lower servants. Right. And Mr. Raj Singh is not pleased, to say the least. Yeah.
1: And, and see, this is where, again, I feel like I, the first time I saw this, well, because I'm always on Mr. Edgar's side by default, and yes. they had several disputes during the course of this episode, and I think I just uh, instinctively sided with Mr. Edgar. But when Mr. Edgar tells all this to Raj Singh that he's going to be up and he'll have his d- supper set up to eat with Guy, and he says, because we're all having a party downstairs, and I'll be going off down to do that, mm-hmm. and Mr. Singh is like, he did not have to tell me that there was a party going on that I was not invited to. And you know what? He didn't. Like, he okay. didn't kind of... He... Not a lot. I'm sure that Raj thing is overreacting to everything at this point, but he kind of...
0: My reading of it is that Mr. Edgar wanted him to understand that there was a good reason for him to be taking care of Master Guy for an evening. I'm not saying that you're totally wrong. Yeah. I'm just saying that from Mr. Edgar's perspective, he was just explaining... Why this was happening.
1: And I will clarify, as we've sort of said here, that that then, in fact, Mr. Raj Singh just leaves for the evening and does not...
0: After he takes his melodramatic bath. After
1: he takes a melodramatic bath... <laughs> I don't support that. No, that's
0: he shouldn't have done that. Right. But so then, Lord and Lady O'C have to postpone their anniversary dinner until after Master Guy goes to bed. I'm like, how late is this kid staying up? Uh, right. Uh, but then they have their party downstairs, which is super cute. Oh man! Uh, they have a, a sign they've made that says "Happy Birthday, Big Boy." <laughs> yeah. And and they they have a, a song that they sing to him about celebrating at Manderson. Master yeah. Guy is down there for a bit until Mister mm-hmm. Edgar has to march him off. <laughs> yeah. Like it's... oh.
1: Yeah, listen, guy, we're all going to get hammered.
0: Hammered drunk. (laughs) You can't see that. You don't want your dad to know that the servants are drunkards. Yeah. Tudor's not a servant. Servants aren't drunkards. This is the lie (laughs) that we're maintaining. There's an exterior shot of the house with a fountain. It's just a a stream of water shooting straight up. That is dumber than the fountain in Dayton, Ohio. (laughs) Uh,
1: Agreed. Yes. Um, One more thing about the the party that Miss Morrison is there and helped make a, a waste kit that is... A present for mm-hmm. Rob and he's very like, oh, he gives her a hug and everything. So that like she does seem to be. She part seems of like everything's
0: yeah, and they've all they've all cut the labels from their undies. <laughs> right. Just like so into the inside of the waistcoat. And they put Raj Sings at the very bottom. And they're all like, Ah, we hate Raj Like that yeah. you know what? That's what we missed in the twelve weeks. Yeah. Was that everybody else was like we need to find someone to hate. Yeah, and well, they picked Raj Singh. Well,
1: and because they put together a montage that was edited over the course of the past weeks, but just of every time that Raj Singh would ask the lower servants to do something yeah. for him, and just all these shots of the bell for the tutors uh-huh. ringing and people complaining. Oh, he just had me walk up four flights of stairs to help him lift a window, and everything uh,
0: he's else. been using two bathrooms, and then they decided to use a <laughs> third bathroom, like just for fun. Yeah so like and even like the the female servants chime in on this one like they've had very little to say Mm -hmm. but they are not fans of reggie raj singh they're not so then we we move on to the racist portion of the proceedings (laughs) right uh sir john is trying to teach master guy about what a durbar is am i saying that correctly uh I feel like it was
1: Durb I was pronoun- he was pronouncing it Durber.
0: Durber? Okay. But I'm not sure. Um which is a gathering of of Indian princes and dignitaries, mm-hmm. you know. Just you know, it's, it's 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 a big uh conference. Right. And so he's explaining that to Master Guy who's asking all sorts of adorable questions. <laughs> yeah. But they are going to actually be hosting an Indian prince yes. at the house uh but Mas- Master Guy's like, oh, is it the Prince of Wales? And his dad's like, no. <laughs> we don't get good royalty, just just some Indian cast-offs. Right. Which is the undertone, basically, for the rest of the episode.
1: Oh, God. <sighs> um, yeah, and we also, he says, uh, they're looking, I think, it, at an Edwardian era, uh-huh. uh, Raja, and and Guy says, we're richer than him, though. And Lord O.C. says, I don't think so.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So their guests, they're having a Raj supper.
1: Yes. <sighs> Which... Well, this is an idea formed by Lord O.C. and Raj Singh. So what could go wrong?
0: Well, and I think the idea here is that, that Lord O.C. is giving this to Raj Singh as sort of a bone. Yeah. He's, he's throwing him a bone. He says, oh, let's have a dinner that reflects your culture. Let's, um... Yeah, why don't you just, just poonjob it up there, buddy?
1: Right. You know some other wogs, right?
0: Oh, man. Is that what people say?
1: It's uh, just what they said at the time. Oh, God. No, it's, it's a bad word.
0: Oh, man. Yeah. Well, you've learned some horrible slang.
1: <laughs> you didn't hear it here first. Or, or really, hopefully, you did, because otherwise you've heard it before.
0: Well, anyway. Um. <laughs> the, uh, the guest of honor is Prince Masin Ali Khan of Hyderabad. Yes. I think is how you pronounce that. But it was the richest state in India at the time of the the Edwardian period. Right. So he comes and is only referred to as Your Highness. Yes. And, you know, we get an awkward meeting scene where mm. he is introduced to everyone. Right.
1: Meanwhile... He comes by himself, which I sort of, I don't know, it was just it, sort of this odd thing that was just him walking up to the door by himself and they're all, you know, greeting him all fancy uh-huh. and everything like that and calling him Your Highness and like, you know, I'm just, you know
0: just honorary now yeah i'm just just a rich guy you guys kind of raped my country and (laughs) and took all our stuff so (laughs) a guy yeah yeah so while this is all going on upstairs downstairs there's a bit of a a bit of a problem yes in that monsieur Dubiard has had a bout of explosive diarrhea yeah And is now bedridden,
1: which we are told about in more detail than we will pass on. We will,
0: yeah. You've presumably already acquainted yourself with the details. (laughs) Yeah, and this is a terrible dinner for him to be out for because they are doing Indian cuisine, and basically, we get talking heads of basically all the all the kitchen staff saying, "Uh, yeah, I have literally never had to cook Indian food before." Right, and Mrs. Davis. I am so on the fence about Mrs. Davis in this episode because I look. she's like your racist relative who's like only like sort of like, you know, she's
1: I mean, she's she's just ignorant. And, you know, what I will say is that uh, my understanding is that is that Britain is um, much more culturally homogenous. And depending on where in the country you live and what time period, I mean, she would just have only known, you know, white Uh people her whole life, um, you know, and just not had any occasion to ever have a conversation yeah. with somebody that you know.
0: Well, and I mean, and she she keeps trying to like, right, say things, but she says these horrible things that are basically like, oh, well, the thing that you think is from your country, really, this Scotchman <laughs> right. got it together, and and he he brought it back, and his name was Curry, and that's why we call it Curry, <laughs> right. I I just hope that the, the Indian entertainers they brought in were allowed at some point to go off with Mr. Raj Singh and just get wasted and be like, oh, my God, can you even believe that this just happened?
1: Yeah. Well, first off, so when they arrive, they are sent around to the servants entrance, which Raj Singh is very unhappy about. He wanted them to come to the front. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get that. I mean, I think that they that that's just, you know whatever nationality they may have been if they're coming to entertain the party. yeah well the and parties, they, they
0: they point out that you know only celebrity guests would have been permitted to come in the front door like uh Yvonne, Yvonne Norvello Ovello, yeah. um but also i mean even in contemporary times regardless of your ethnicity... Like, if you're entertaining at a party, unless you're the most famous person at the party, yeah. you're using the service entrance. Yeah. You're not...
1: Even if you are. Even if you're yeah. at a you know, super sweet 16, you're not coming in the front with all the teenagers. True.
0: <laughs> if you were... You know, if Muammar Gaddafi rented out Beyoncé, she's I, not coming in the front steps. No.
1: Those are for the Gaddafis.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, technically speaking, the Gaddafis are richer and more powerful than the Beyoncé.
1: I... Well, I mean, not no more.
0: Well, yeah, now. <laughs> oh, I meant right. you know, at the time. Yeah. Back in the Catawfian period. <laughs> anyway, so everybody's sort of uh, ill-preparedness down in the kitchen. Uh, let's just make an up-yours-downstairs uh, PSA here. Acquaint yourself with how to prepare a variety of cultural cuisines, because then you'll never be caught uh, with your pants down or your foot in your mouth.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mrs. Davies, who was making the curry, said, well, it's it's not Mrs. Beaton's curry. This is my curry, uh, which I looked up. First of all, the subtitle spelled it wrong. It's B-E-E-T-O-N, mm-hmm. not B-E-A. Uh, second of all, she was a Victorian woman who wrote the, like, the authoritative <gasps> housekeeping guide. I feel
0: like that's come up on I, here before. Yeah,
1: once I saw it on Wikipedia, I was like, wait a minute, this looks familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not – because she was Victorian. I – May be wrong. I don't think there was any curry recipe in Mrs. Beaton's thing. Like I just it may
0: think- just be a, f- a figure of speech.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know,
0: to say you know, oh, you know, I'm no, I'm no Julia Child or whatever.
1: Right. It just amuses me that it's like, oh, because that Victorian woman was the expert on curry rather than.
0: And thus lies the crux of the problem with Mrs. Davis in yeah. this episode, because. Yeah. She just, you know, she's very monoculturally aligned. Right. You can, you can see that. Right. And you know, and she means well, and she's trying really hard, yeah. but it's just eared
1: the whole yeah, way through. It is. It's rough.
0: I wrote down just vastly uncomfortable episode. Yeah. That's one of my notes. It's the dinner party with Prince Ali Khan is so painfully uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh. Like God. because they've brought in some some relatively well-known guests it's not clear to me how well-known they are in Britain mm-hmm. uh, it's Krishman Gara Murthy who's a newscaster mm-hmm. and Yasmin Alavia Brown who's a writer
1: yeah Um. and
0: you know thank all the gods that the intellectual showed up yeah. in this episode yeah. because it would have been unbearable otherwise yeah
1: well like early, you know one of the first things we have is a conversation between Lord O.C. and um, his highness Prince Ali Khan Prince Ali Khan where Lord O.C. is saying, <laughs> you know, because Lord O.C. has clearly been told, listen, we're not allowed to say the Rajah's good anymore. Mm-hmm. He's like, but why? And he's like, we're just not allowed to.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, so he's like, oh, you know, surely what we did was a horrible thing. But, you know, we sure did leave some good things behind. And India seems very British still and all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, this guy this guy is here at the Manor House Project. He's not here to, to you know, he's not a communist. He's, He'll happily... You say the part about how it was bad and then he will say the part about Exactly. Oh, you know, you're right, but there you know, certainly some good things. It wasn't all bad. You know, let him say it's that. It's the
0: equivalent of a white person being like, "Oh, well, slavery was certainly bad, but hey, at least you don't live in Africa anymore." Like right. it's so awful. Yeah. And and Prince Ali Khan is just diplomatic. He's like, "Well, maybe it was good that we intermingled." And like that's all he says. Like right. he just leaves it there. Right. Um and then uh uh yasmin Alavia Brown is talking with them about sort of the the hierarchy and sort of how that works and, and right.
1: well they have i mean the the three of them have an interesting mm-hmm. discussion among themselves mm-hmm. about how because the you know his grandfather was supporting the Raj mm-hmm. you know he was a part of it
0: yeah and well because clearly yasmin is is. Against that. She's just saying, you know, it wasn't as if it didn't happen because all of these Indians were throwing up their hands and refusing to cooperate.
1: Right. Well, what was nice about it was they were having their own awkward moment, Uh like, from their own perspective, because he was saying his equivalent of the Raj was bad, but it did some good things was him saying, while you understand our country was disunited, there was, you know, we couldn't uh do anything about that at the time, and and Yasmin was like, uh, you know, bullshit.
0: Well, and, and, you know, and I didn't really think about it, you know, I knew that India, you know, was under British rule until after World War II Mm -hmm. because of some movie. Who says that? Anyway, don't uh, worry
1: about it, everybody. Was it the movie Gandhi by any chance?
0: <laughs> no, it was not, smartass. <laughs> um, it might have been the Buttercream Gang. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> shut up. My family made me watch, like, Mormon family-oriented movies when I was a kid. I,
1: I believe you.
0: Um, just the fact that their, their revolution started, like, in the early 20th century, mm. and it took them 35 years to achieve independence. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's just strange for me to think about because once America declared independence, they went all, America, fuck (laughs) yeah! And, like, it was over within, like, five years. Or you look at, you know, the French Revolution. You know, it's closer to sort of the Russian Revolution, although that is still, like, up for debate, I think, about how successful that was. True, true. Um, Yeah, but just 35 years of fighting. Yeah. Like, people of India... I so salute you. Yeah. Like, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. Because I am really lazy, <laughs> and I I don't think I would fight for 35 years for anything.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's—the thing about it is that it's—I it's, mean, it's 35 years, but it's—throughout their history, there were rebellions, yeah. you know, repeatedly. I mean, most people at most times are going to accept the status quo that they find. That's true. You know, but they—it was never—you know, Britain was never completely secure in their rule there. Yeah.
0: Well, good to know.
1: Yeah. One thing I was going to say about the dinner that was that worked out well was that the food did come out.
0: The food came out really well, apparently. Yeah. Despite,
1: despite Kenny's concern with making arty, farty food like samosas, uh-huh. I was like, so they're just like...
0: They're like a dumpling. Yeah. Like, they're not... They're literally... They're, they're, they're a meat pie. Right. They're, you have those in England. Yeah. I saw Sweeney Todd. <laughs> they just, you know, they're a pocket... They're a hot pocket.
1: <laughs> yeah, but but Mr. Dubiard has a talking head where he he almost seems to smile. Uh huh. About how well everybody pulled together. Well, and, and
0: he he was giving them instruction from his bed. Yeah. And uh and then did eventually come into the kitchen. He yeah. was like, I can't I can't not be in there.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, like uh, Kenny would bring him in a samosa and he would look at it and be like, okay, the pastry needs to be fine. Yeah. or Yeah. So
0: so the next episode is everyone dies of dysentery. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> um. Hopefully you're not trying to eat food right now while we're talking about this. but uh, So the other conversation they have, they're asking sort of what the relations between the servants and the family are.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Lord O.C. and Lady O.C. in typical... I mean, I guess you know well, they want to be seen as adhering to the program, and as these clearly, he wants to be a benevolent dictator and, right, and this right. whole thing. But he's like, "Oh yeah, you know, we talk to them." And then one of the guests is like, "Really? You do?"
1: Yeah, and, and Lady O.C. steps in and is like, "Well, we talk to the butler and the, the, ha- the housekeeper. housekeeper, and they they tell us what's going on." Yeah, know? well, yeah, because it came out of that conversation, they were saying that India, you know. That this system in Edwardian England, where everybody knows exactly their place, they said that would fit in well in India to this day. Mm-hmm. Like that's that there's that cultural connection right. there, where they both have a an affinity for that that structure.
0: Yes, but then they they ask Reggie Raj Singh what his feelings on the experiment are and how it's worked out for him. Right, and in full hearing of the rest of the servants. He points out that, you know, he's isolated from the rest of the servants and they don't, you know, treat him particularly well. And he he feels very strange being an Indian man Mm -hmm. in the house. You know, he he, just he feels like a man without a country within the the experiment. Right, right. And immediately, Mr. Edgar flips out in a talking head. I mean, he was pissed.
1: He was really pissed.
0: He said that that Mr. Raj Singh had put a knife in Sir John's back, and I'm like, yeah. I wish,
1: right? And and just said that they'll all leave with the impression that that he's discriminated against on account mm-hmm. of his race or, or something like that, um, and just all this stuff. And, well,
0: and, and and Charlie gets it. He's like, no, he's like, it has, you know, we just don't like him. Like, it's not about him being Indian and blah blah blah.
1: Right. And it's like, and the thing about it is that that you know. They would all be treating him the same in his position, uh, you know, pretty much, even if he was if he was white. I think that's generally true, but they have been isolating and excluding him, mm-hmm. and he is in that p- position because of his race. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was specifically cast... To be an Indian. To be an Indian, yeah. So they could do occupied, this episode. Yeah, that, that isolated position. Well, and I, position.
0: I would call them out on being racist a little bit more than you would, I think. Yeah. I, I think... You know, we're both white. We don't know what right. that feels like. And I am generally of the school of thought, you know, if he's saying that.
1: Right. Well, and actually I was thinking about it. What I think, because he has just a line, um, I think it was when he was greeting the dancers where he was just saying to the camera that he'll never be an Englishman. hmm You know, and he, he he was proud of being an Englishman and he's proud that he wants to be, but he never will be and mm-hmm. he understands that and he's Indian and he's proud of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I think that that a lot of that is that he's just. I mean, it's the same discrimination that he faces on a daily basis. On a daily basis. I guess.
0: I mean, my issue is just that everybody below stairs is is not aware of their own privilege and how that affects him. Right. You know, they aren't going to be aware of any privileges in their current situation because they're all like, Meh,
1: right, we're maids right, right. Yeah. Well, and I think too that that I do. There is something a little bit, like... I, I would not like Raj Singh if I met him. I would find him a little bit off-putting.
0: No, I, yes. You know, not, I, I think that's just his personality, yeah. though. I don't think it has anything right.
1: to do with his race. Exactly. I mean, I do think... Yeah. He's, you know, he's... I mean, he's a little, like... He's a little prissy and he's a little, you know, just some character Well, he, of his, he has I, a hard time, I
0: think, relating to people. Yeah. From everything that we see in this episode, he just has a difficult time... Because I mean, it may not have necessarily been the time to go on that particular diatribe, right? But I mean, that was what he was feeling, and you know, he was for the first time seeing people yeah. who are of his race and who would who be receptive, would be, yeah, and who yeah, would be sympathetic
1: he, and understand yeah, because, what he's saying. Because that's 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 exactly the thing is that you know, whatever you think. Whether they were being racist or not, he could never even suggest the possibility because there was, Edgar and uh-huh. Charlie and Rob would all be just immediately shut down mm-hmm. and and not even allow that to be a consideration. Yep. That, that so was I possible.
0: guess I guess that's my point is yeah. that everybody yeah. else is so unwilling to consider race as a factor, and for me that's always a huge red flag.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's yeah.
0: always a big red flag. It's like, oh, really? I think you're protesting a, a bit too much. Right.
1: There was that was definitely happening.
0: yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Everything seems to have gone over very well, though, overall, apart mm. from the, the awkwardness, which is endemic to this episode. Yeah. Uh, Kenny has coined my favorite phrase of all time, saying that, you know, everything went great. The tea went mint. <laughs> which i'm like what there was mint tea like that sounds
1: delicious (laughs) and the impression that if you leave tea long enough it'll just mint itself uh, maybe that would be (laughs) great yeah
0: that's the uh the midas blend um yeah and and we get a talking head with mrs davis saying that that kenny's worked so hard and i'm like is ellen on her period or something like what happened <laughs> <laughs> although i guess it's been 12 weeks they've they've had some time they've they've settled in. they've they've settled in a bit that that yeah. first blush of a relationship has has waned a bit yeah um the
1: passion the, if you will.
0: Uh, <laughs> i can never use that word again <laughs> And we, we get a, a scene of the, the Indian dancers, mm-hmm. you know, playing traditional Indian music. And yeah. just, ah, oh, beautiful, beautiful outfits. Yeah. And uh, they let Master Guy play on the drums, which yeah. is very cute. Oh.
1: If, <laughs> if this had been an episode of Deadwood, it would have been entitled Guy Plays the Drums.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, all, all things considered, it went off pretty well. Yeah. And uh, so then we cut to the next day. And guess what? Levine is back.
1: <gasps> Hooray. Oh. She's I mean, as long as it's okay for her. Yes. Well,
0: she says she's apprehensive about coming back. Yeah. She's she's a bit nervous. She doesn't quite want to be there, but you know, she. Mm-hmm. I I think it had to have been something personal for her to come back and say, you know, I really want to sort of try and finish this out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know. I wonder what life in a reality show is like. Like, there's, you know, because you see such a carefully crafted yes, thing. Yes, absolutely. Like, you know what kind of pressure would the producers? And certainly the producers would want her back. Oh,
0: absolutely. But I don't get that about her coming back. I mean, I'm sure that there was some negotiation, right? I guess. But whatever yeah. it is, she's convinced herself that she should come back for herself.
1: Right. Right. I was. Yeah. I mean, the influence rather than persuasion yes. or pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When
0: well, yeah. she's she's met on her way to the house by. Mr. Singh and also Master Guy, right? And it is so cute, yeah, because they were buddies, yeah, and we didn't yeah. get to see any of that, right? But right. and and I'm thinking this, but then they go on to you know explicitly state it in the show. You know, they are the only two people in the house who occupy this weird status, right? Where they're not part of the main family and they're not servants, yeah. but they can't really be fully integrated into either of those worlds, yeah. And and just we see both of them. Engaging with another person on a level that we haven't seen anybody engage, right? And and they're just you know they're so excited to be talking to each other, yeah. Because I think that's also part of why things came to a head for for Mr. Raj Singh is yeah. that he didn't have anybody, and that's what he keeps harping on. Is like, yeah. I have no one to vent to. I have no one to talk to. Yeah,
1: and I guess you know, I guess what it is this time was I just heard the complaining and I didn't really hear that and and think about like that would be, like that would just it would be horrible, you crazy, yeah. It would drive you insane mm-hmm. to not be able to have a real conversation for months at a time. No. Yeah. I
0: can't I can't go a day at a time without having a conversation. Yeah. Like, it's impossible to imagine.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So um, now we're preparing for the big empire fancy dress party. Yes. Yeah. To celebrate Britain's boot on the necks of indigenous peoples everywhere.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't remember what was happening when I wrote this down, but I wrote this down during the episode. Thank God they didn't do Plantation House. Right? Like, because,
0: honestly, this this is as close to that as you could get. Right. And... Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I just... is rough. No. Yeah. No. Uh, Monsieur Dubiard is back on the job. Uh, he's asked how he's feeling, and he says that he's sweaty, but his stool is hard. Right. Which typical mr dubiard uh making a gross statement out of lemons just like <laughs> what <gasps> uh but he you know he's got to do this enormous party they're yeah. they're entertaining i think f- 45
1: to 50 okay. guests, they said <sighs>
0: So we get to hear Lady O.C. talking about how easy it is to entertain at Mm Manderson, which was not the tune she was singing prior to this. Mm -hmm. She was very flummoxed by the seating arrangements and and all the things she had to do. But now she's like, oh, no, just, yeah, it's fine. Everybody just shows up and you don't have to do much. This is all intercut with scenes of Monsieur Dubillard furiously cooking entire pigs (laughs) and like, you know, (laughs) blowing on a blancmange and like, you know genuinely working hard uh to make this all happen (laughs) oh one thing i think i i didn't mention in the conversation between levine and and mr raj singh they're talking about how it's much easier in contemporary times because we're all equals yeah and obviously you know there's a lot of discussion to be had around that and like you know Differences in gender and and race and class and things like that. But I think what is an important distinction, it's sort of this fake it till you make it thing. Yeah. Because we all say that we're equal. Yeah. And it's absolutely true that we're not. And there's systemic things that are keeping certain people down. Right. But God... It's taken humanity so long just to get to the point where we can say we all should be equal. Yes. We all should have a fair shake.
1: All at least officially equal. Yeah. Like if you've got somebody talking to you that you feel is below you, you've got to come up with a different reason.
0: Yeah, you have to. No, yeah. and 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 it's just it's very cool to see that put into stark relief. Yeah. Um, which is what you know if you're if you're a, a Studies major of some kind, <laughs> I think you should watch this show yeah I mean presumably you already are if you're listening to it but if you if you know a studies major right uh, if there's you know African American studies women 's studies Asian American studies what have you yeah like i don 't know I just feel like it gives you a certain amount of perspective on on just the differences in such a short period of time yeah. and granted, I mean this has nothing to do with any of those studies except for women 's studies but like right right uh, it 's just it's crazy.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: God. Yeah. It's nuts. It is. Anyway, clearly it's had a huge impact on me. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but the uh, big ball is coming up. There's going to be a little play put on by Guy and his local friends that he apparently has, which is news to us. Yeah. But all right. Fine. Yeah. I'm willing to
0: believe that. He's gregarious enough.
1: Yeah. And it is a fancy dress ball. So... <laughs> Lady OC will be go- attending as Marie Antoinette,
0: which isn't at all on the nose right. or tone deaf. Yeah, in any way.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, th- I definitely think Marie Antoinette is somebody like things worked out well for her. Oh yeah, totally. You should- yeah,
0: I watched two thirds of that Sofia Coppola movie. It seemed <laughs> like there was candy for days. Yeah,
1: it was. It was really. It was really pretty. You
0: get to marry Jason Schwartzman, which I'm a big fan of. You certainly are. I'm a huge fan of Jason Schwartzman yeah. and marrying him. Yeah. So, well done, whoever Jason (laughs) Schwartzman's married to. You're living the dream. (laughs)
1: Sure.
0: Um, Um, Yeah, well, and uh, Lord O.C. is going as Admiral Lord Nelson. Yeah. Which, I can never remember exactly what he did because he's sort of a character in uh, those uh, Thursday Next books. Oh, okay. uh, The Jasper Ford books.
1: He was he was the hero of the British Navy during
0: right. the right, but like didn't he sleep with somebody or his wife did or yeah there was something some,
1: Lady Hamilton was involved and the
0: Hamilton and that's what Hamilton. it is okay yes yeah, yeah. yeah. anyway uh, Tuesday next funny stuff <laughs> true Wales it's a good time <laughs> uh so he's going as that and uh, Master Guy I don't think he went as anybody in particular he was it the narrator they, they of the play
1: yeah they didn't say yeah. he had a name.
0: Uh, but it looks like they, you know, it's like a weekend party, yeah, and then yeah. people are staying in the rooms. And yeah. I'm like, if this was Downton Abbey and they were doing this, they would have brought an extra
1: help, right? Although presumably the modern day guests that are showing up will not be making use of the servants to the extent that an Edwardian time. I would, they would certainly
0: have. hope. Yeah. Well, but if in in Edwardian times they would have brought their own.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Um,
0: Unless they were trying to hook up with a footman.
1: Well, yeah. Um, But, yeah, Lady O.C., the the Marie Antoinette costume includes a giant wig, as you would think, Mm -hmm. for Marie Antoinette, a giant French royalty wig. Um, So they're trying it on. Um, Miss Morrison is is putting it on Lady O.C.
0: And Miss Morrison is a hair artist. I mean, that's what she – she has built this thing from scratch.
1: Yeah. And, she's you know, it's just this great thing, and she's putting it on, and Lord O.C. is in the room for some reason. And just like, no, I hate it. I don't, I don't like it at all, and Miss Mor was like so um and Lady O.C. says well, if if Lord olive cooper doesn 't like it i don 't think it will do and it was I was just stunned.
0: Why would you bother to be Marie Antoinette if you weren't going to do the hair
1: yeah, if you don't have the wig, you 're just a weirdo in a dress that you stole <laughs>
0: <laughs> no and and uh. I just hate Lord O.C. so much. There's this scene he was out shooting and he got two brace of uh, partridge. So he has, uh, I think, Rob come over and he says, give two to Tristan and two to Kenny. Yeah. Like, but why? Right. Why? Why? Yeah. No, it makes no sense. And then Kenny's like, uh, well, gee, let's think about this. We've got this huge party coming up. We're busy scrubbing and cooking all the time. I don't really have time to pluck and roast a partridge. I don't even like partridges. So <laughs> it was a really empty gesture.
1: Yeah, it was pretty great. And
0: now I would really like to have a t-shirt of Team Kenny because <laughs> I think he's my favorite. Like I know nobody else in the house likes him, but I just appreciate, you know, tea went mint. Yeah. He he hates Lord O.C. and isn't even trying to... <laughs> uh, but, I mean, really, who wants your crappy partridge that you got a clear buckshot out of? Like, yeah. gross. Yeah.
1: Agreed. It's like, you know, they do feed us down here, yeah. asshole. Anyway. Uh, then there's a, 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 a nice, still awkward fitting of the theme of the episode, but nice scene between uh, Raj Singh and Charlie. Mm-hmm. Who's just folding some napkins, and, and Raj Singh comes in and is like, Listen, I, I just want to thank you for all that you've done for me and for making my life so easy and, and pass that on to Robin and all the others. I have to do the Robin, and then later he says that he really appreciates it. Uh huh. Which I was like, uh, <laughs> I, I like you a lot, but I wish you didn't talk like that. Well, but, oh well. Um, <laughs> but, get a
0: time uh, machine
1: yeah and just you know he just went on about how you've you've done all this stuff for me you've made my life so easy. I really just
0: and- like, the producer showed me a rough cut of that montage, <laughs> and man, I looked like a dick yeah. so and Charlie's
1: just like uh what like he's just like the look on his face is like what o- okay uh-huh um, and and he's like what is there a reason you're saying this just now and he's like well i never have the opportunity to talk to any of you i'm mm-hmm. always you're always standing behind me serving me mm-hmm. and this just taking this opportunity and then they shook hands like they they mm-hmm. like charlie was clearly impressed
0: mm-hmm. no and he he didn't know what to think he was like <laughs> i've been heading up the anti mr raj singh brigade for the last couple of weeks and now yeah. i i feel bad yeah yeah but I mean, that's a very that's a very real thing that happens though mm-hmm. when people are are in confined spaces you know you all find somebody to gang up on and then they exhibit yeah. their humanity to you and then you're like oh I guess I really should have read the second sex now <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, that's one reaction yeah it's
0: the only reaction I have to anything
1: <laughs> you, you really ought to read that book so.
0: <laughs> I know I have it <laughs> um Miss Morrison gets a cute scene that yeah. almost but not quite <laughs> yeah makes up for the earlier stuff mm-hmm. but she's in charge of the costumes for everything yeah. for this uh at least for the family i'm sure all the guests have have rented theirs from someone one would think um but she's saying that it's it's great to be the seamstress cuz she gets to have a wee try on <laughs> all the costumes yeah and she says that she thinks lady olive cooper looks better in her marie antoinette outfit but i disagree i think miss morrison is more attractive
1: i mean miss morrison is more attractive the marie antoinette outfit was you know fitted to lady oc yeah that's true that may be all it is but yeah it's certainly of the two that would be my pick Mm -hmm.
0: so uh we have now another house guest who i really liked Mm, he i thought was yeah Oh, uh, he was my favorite guest of this episode, mm-hmm. uh, Darkest Howe, who grew up in the Caribbean, yeah. uh Trinidad specifically, mm-hmm. when it was still in British control. Yeah. So he's been invited to come for this big empire situation. So he comes in and and uh he comes in to have a nosh with Lord O. C. Yeah. Who says, Oh, this is very informal, don't tell my butler. And yeah. I'm like, Oh, I'll tell your butler to shove it up your ass. <laughs> uh but they, they have a conversation and, and uh Mr. Howe wants to know sort of you know, how how things are going and, and is is Lord O. C. kind of a pompous ass in real life or right. is this just a character <laughs> that he's putting on?
1: Yeah.
0: Lord O. C. is clearly uncomfortable. Yeah. Well and because the great thing is that Mr. Howe is so disarming. Yeah. He he Well because he's he's just there's a genuine curiosity to the questions that he's asking.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. He he is uh just curious. he wants to know what this is like. Yeah. And he says later, you know, he he went to this boarding school, this British boarding school when he lived in Trinidad and Mm -hmm. it was, you know, it was all this snobbery and prejudice and he's decided to throw himself back into that by coming to this party. Yeah, yeah. And he's just, he's so level-headed and he's just a great sort of person to bring in at this point in the episode. I'm like, okay, someone at least has a complex understanding.
1: Right. Because it's not like he's like, full of anger or anything. No.
0: Well, and we just... We get a little bit more... We get more voiceover from him than we did from the guests for the yeah, Raj dinner. Yeah, and I suspect yeah. they would have had similar things to say. It's right, just right, we right, didn't get to hear it.
1: Right. Agreed. Um, yeah. And and he... You know, he's he's sort of pushing Lord O.C. a little bit and he's saying, you know, but, you know, there must be some alignment between this character that you're playing and the real person if mm-hmm. you like it so much. Exactly. Um, but, oh, God, just like lord oc just saying things about how he he has no ego um and all this stuff i'm like you
0: he's a printer's son
1: yeah he was
0: taught to look up
1: yeah and he's just i mean he's the least self-aware person i've ever met like it's
0: unbelievable oh i mean i i really don't have any notes for the rest of the episode from this point <laughs> i i've written down a few things but like just because every exchange with Lord O.C. and Darkest Howe, my jaw was on the floor. Yeah. I just couldn't believe. I'm like, this man is offering you an opportunity on a television show that will be broadcast near and far. Yeah. To not come off like a jerk. Yeah. And you are refusing to pick up on that fact. Yeah. He's just He just isn't paying any attention.
1: Yeah, he's not. Well, I mean, because he just doesn't. He thinks by saying the requisite things about the Raj being bad or whatever else that he doesn't have any ego in all these things. He thinks that's enough to fool everybody. He
0: thinks it's enough to make it true, moreover. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what I think. He yeah, thinks no, you parrot bright. these things and you say them and then that's fine. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, It's just horrible to watch he's a yeah. very bad person
1: yes he I, is. Don't, I
0: don't like him yeah. I don't care for him that's sir.
1: A, another thing I wrote earlier in the episode that if if Lord if O.C. Lord had been in charge of India Gandhi would have been a violent
0: uh-huh. <laughs> <rebel>. yeah
1: absolutely <laughs> agreed blood would have been running in the streets hmm
0: the male servants have decided to wear Indian dress for the Empire Ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have mixed feelings about that. I don't know how I feel about it. I guess it's a fancy dress party, so they ought to dress up like something. Yeah. It just seems like in the wake of the Raj dinner, Yeah, uh, maybe they might not want to be assholes, but, yeah. well, there's only one person of color at this party, and he's not yeah. Indian, so... Yeah. Not well, counting Mr. Raj Singh. Who but is
1: dressed as... He is. Uh, uh, I forget which, they specified, like, the, yeah. whether it was the great mogul or... He, I think
0: it was an emperor. Okay. Or something.
1: Yeah. Indian royalty. Yeah. Of the past. You yes. know, In theme with the Marie Antoinettes and the uh, Tamburlaine and... The Cleopatra. Julius Caesar. Yeah. And he he was dressed mm-hmm. of a rank with all those people. Yes. Uh, and, oh, and, and uh, by the way, Lady O.C. did wear the wig. Mm-hmm. Somebody saw reason. So that, yeah. that was nice. Yeah.
0: The producers were like, uh, "We didn't pay four hundred dollars for your ladies' maid to make this."
1: <laughs> yeah, and by the way,
0: the food. Oh my god! Wow, you see this great scene of him getting shit faced <laughs> and doing the ice sculpture, which At we never see. We never got yeah, to see the ice we sculpture. We saw beginning it. Like I would have liked to see that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe what we don't see is that four in the at four in the morning it was just a big block of ice with fuck this in french <laughs> carved into it you're
0: just <laughs> chipped in <laughs> mare. <laughs> um
1: but everything we do see and there's tons of it and it's beautiful and he's made
0: all this insane shit like yeah. chicken uh sorry Chicken fricassee is normal, <laughs> right? Uh, kangaroo fricassee, mm-hmm. ostrich something or other, yeah. just ostrich Wellington. Yes, just yes. he's he's taken. Which uh, I,
1: I have heard ostrich is good, actually. I yeah. knew somebody that owned an ostrich farm. Okay, so they were very in favor of
0: it. Okay,
1: you heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> ostrich prices soared this week after an endorsement <laughs> from up yours downstairs. The Influential Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: So Master Guy does his weird Empire Celebrating play. Yeah, which... Which, what is cute is that Avril plays uh, Britannia herself. Yeah, And I thought it was nice that she got to do something that wasn't horrible. Yeah,
1: well, it struck me as a very, like, period... Like, that may have been an actual period little play. But how
0: do you explain the aeroplanes?
1: Well, 1911, like,
0: just... You Did know. they have aeroplanes?
1: Well, they were invented in 1903 by the Wright Brothers of Dayton, Ohio. Oh,
0: really? Yes. I had no idea.
1: <laughs> um, oh,
0: that's who my college was named after.
1: <laughs> that is correct.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, this is a very Dayton-heavy episode.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, Tommy
0: is also wearing his uh, University of Dayton Flyers t-shirt, that, so it may subconsciously be influencing things.
1: <laughs> that, that may be true, actually. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're just three years away from you know World War One, where yeah, I airplanes guess. were definitely a part. I mean, I don't think because I don't think airplanes came into play at all. Yeah, there weren't any. There weren't any wars between 1903 and, and World War One, particularly. Mm-hmm. They didn't come into the Boer Wars, so I don't know. What Maybe it was been? just that she
0: had them. Yeah, she hadn't used them, Britannia, but she might. <laughs> She's thinking about it.
1: Yeah. She's like, listen, any you bitches fuck with me,
0: I got airplanes! <laughs> Aeroplanes. That's right. Uh, so there's a bunch of adorable children parading out, dressed yeah. in various outfits. Yeah, very and, cute. And uh, then they sing uh, Hail Britannia? R- Rule Britannia. Rule Britannia. Uh, Darkest Howl conspicuously not singing yes. for a really great reason.
1: Yeah, because the, the lyrics of the song um, are Rule Britannia, Britannia rules the waves, Britons never, never shall be slaves. And as he pointed out, that implies that other people can be slaves. And being from Trinidad, he does not accept that. No. He can't sing along with that.
0: No, and and just his reaction shots during this party are fantastic. Like, just, he's not going to drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. And... I just I appreciated that they brought in somebody who didn't want to drink the Kool Aid and had the option to not drink it, yeah, and and to stand back and say no, this is really wrong, yeah. Because I think to a certain extent, far be it for me to defend the OCS, but like for everybody. You know they're there for so long. You get a little Stockholm syndrome going, right. and you feel. Definitely. I mean, Mister Edgar, I think, is the the most clear cut case yeah. because yeah. he has been treated so shabbily by his employers, and yet he feels such a. Right. And I mean, and that's the whole thing about colonialism. Period. I mean, and mm-hmm. that's you know, British colonialism was just exporting the weird, fucked up way that they ran their own estates, and and transposing that onto entire nations. Yeah.
1: And getting it out of sight so that they didn't have to think about exactly. the bad things that were happening. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, again, nobody's defending Lord O'C. He clearly, you know, he was he was cast to be all these negative qualities Correct. that he has. Like again, clearly an agreement between the person and the character. Uh-huh. But the character was designed to be, you know, unself-aware and remote and aristocratic yeah. and all these things. And you know, it does give us a sense of. of of the period.
0: Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I mean, I think it's very effective. It is just infuriating to watch as a contemporary person. Yeah. You know, you yeah, look at yeah. this and you're just like, no. And it's funny though, cause this is something that I don't think I got to bring up on boards, gore and swords when I was on last week, mm-hmm. but there's, there's a scene in um, the book, a clash of Kings by George R. R. Martin. And they're talking about their courtesies and you know, how you have to address, you know, lady Catlin and, and, right, and right. King Renly and this whole thing. And um, I was just reflecting on the fact that your courtesies and your etiquette, were the only thing that stood between you and a violent, horrible death for a really long time. Yeah. And, I mean, where you see social change happening is where people finally sort of figure out, hey, maybe we don't have to be just killing each other as, like, a first move. Right. Maybe there can be other steps in there. Right. And what you see in Britain, I mean, it's been a long time since Britain has had internal Unrest, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're at this point where everyone in Britain is like, well, we all kind of get along now. I mean, like people aren't really yeah. riding out in the countryside and leading raids, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the infrastructure of, you know, who owns the land is pretty well set. It seems like we can push this farther now. It yeah. seems like there ought to be a better way to do it. And I mean, you know, obviously they still have knights and 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 barons and right. all that kind of stuff, but it's, you know, it's much less well, it's, important now. Well, you know, it's the, it's combined with the decline of the agricultural right. Uh, but it is economy.
1: But your your point about killing people, I mean, it is you know, the, the the thing that struck me years ago was when I realized what right to bear arms meant like back in, you know, feudal times. Uh-huh. Right to bear arms meant you were allowed to carry a sword and in addition challenge anyone to a fight to a death at any time if you feel you've been insulted. Uh-huh. Like and you just could And, and, like, that's how the social order was maintained, was that if you got high enough in it, then you could kill anybody that tried to disrupt the social order legally. Mm -hmm. with no consequences, you know.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, at the time, that was what was called for, apparently. I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't really approve of it. I think there probably was a better way. But when when every other social order is based on, you know, killing other people, you're going to have a hard time being, you know, Sir Thomas More. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so the uh, the ball goes off mm-hmm. pretty well, it seems. And that's pretty much the end of the episode. They, well,
1: they... I mean, it, it is, but we then see them looking at a uh, a newspaper. Right, and I forgot. the newspaper has news of the sinking of the Titanic. So we're back to the beginning uh-huh. of this podcast <laughs> <laughs> with the Titanic sinking.
0: In less than a year.
1: Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and they talk about that. And, you know, the... I mean, it's the most, like ridiculously symbolic thing that has happened in human history, the crashing of the Titanic. Yeah. Like, it's so ridiculously well, and symbolic.
0: They make a very smart choice in having Ellen and Kenny be the ones who are reading about it because mm-hmm. they're both very insightful. Yeah. You know, they're very young so I think they get discounted a little bit yeah. by the other people in the house. But mm-hmm. they... Being so young, and I think this is why we like Master Guy so much, Mm -hmm. and you know they're not invested in in the hierarchies at all. You know neither of them is going to Oxbridge. Yeah. Um. So, you know, Ellen says you know she's reading the article and it's saying oh all these people were worth you know thirty thousand dollars and all this jewelry and and priceless art went down with the ship Mm -hmm. and she says. All they care about is how much money you had and keeping up appearances, even after you're dead. Right. And it just puts the lie to how shallow and pointless this existence was. And I yeah. mean, you know, yeah. God well, knows we enjoy Downton Abbey. Uh, yeah. We enjoy the hell out of it. Yeah. But it just is. It yeah. is so shallow and pointless.
1: Yeah. You know, because the the sentence that she read was it was specifically from the newspaper. It was, you know, whatever the numbers. It, in addition to the 50 people who died worth collectively 300 million pounds or whatever a number of priceless jewels and uh art- artworks were also sunk with the ship I- and when i heard them reading the sentences like they're saying oh in addition to all these rich people
0: a number a bunch of, bunch of poor, poor people, people died
1: but no they don't even make that sentence no it's just the rich people and the jewelry
0: yeah it's uh it's ridiculous but yeah. then there's a nice coda and uh, Derek Jacoby gets a little bit editorial. Yeah. Uh, which surprised me, and... Yeah. This makes me think that Lord and Lady O.C. were as horrible to the production team <laughs> as they are to the servants, because it's yeah. just them dancing in the ballroom and saying, you know, the overconfidence and extravagance of the time period, everybody thought it would never end, mm. which I guess is a hallmark of
1: overconfidence. Right. But, but this this fantasy life. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Well, and, and it's, it's great, because it's sort of a double entendre.
1: Well, and it's from that conversation earlier when he was asked... um.
0: What will what will you do after this? Well, you just no,
1: asked, do you ever wake up in the middle of the night and be like, what am I doing here? And he says, no, I wake up in the night and think, what on earth am I going to do after I leave? Uh-huh. And I was like, wow, Lord O.C. Like, should,
0: way to be short-sighted. Yeah,
1: you should make plans for that. Because they're going to kick you out. You're never going to get to do this again. No. Ever, ever.
0: Maybe that's his comeuppance, though. I mean, yeah. there's no real way of verifying that. But maybe it's just that he did this and, you know... He'll just never ever get to do the thing that he really wants to do ever again. That's pretty poetic justice.
1: Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, that that can be a comfort to us all. That and
0: Jaunty will come out as a homosexual, which will probably kill him.
1: Uh, yeah, it could be. I don't know. I mean, it depends on when he came out. Uh, you know, like things have changed so that's fast. That's true. They in the have. Ten years.
0: They have. So if you're jaunty, <laughs> and if you're gay or not gay, we would love to hear from you. Yes,
1: we're because no, we don't know.
0: Don't listen to the rest of the podcasts because <laughs> we say some very mean things about you.
1: Yes, but yeah, maybe you want to speak up for yourself. We'll we'll gladly have yeah, you. Yeah, we'll listen. Influential. You would be our podcast. biggest get ever. Yeah, yeah, by far.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah, really. Actually, anybody, anybody that was on the show, anybody related to the show.
0: Yeah. The, we'll have you on. Yeah, we don't know how to have you call in, but we'll figure it out.
1: Oh yeah, I've, I've actually considered this. If we ever needed a phone guest, how we would, how we would. Oh okay, it great. Yeah, well, so I think I think we'll be able. We've to We've got it the off. wheels
0: rolling on this already. <laughs> yeah. So uh, stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. So that is uh, Manor House episode five, Days of Empire. That's right. It was rough. It was rough. I'm. I do love this show, but I'm glad it's only six episodes long. Yeah. It's very hard to stomach.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, but we've just got the finale left, which I remember being very satisfied with as Mm -hmm. a finale. Fantastic. I don't remember it very clearly, but I'm excited. I think it's going to be a good time.
0: All right. I hope so. (laughs) I'm sure our listeners do as well.
1: Yes. As does Natasha (sighs) Muse. Yes.
0: All right. Well, that is it for today. So until next time, up up yours downstairs. downstairs.